Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue The birds are singing I got nothing to do Hey, 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 hey It's a sunny day Sunny day now My pocket's empty My cupboard's bare But call me illogical I just don't care Hey, 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 hey. It's just a sunny day KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Ton, we can see that the weather is moving in. We've got dark clouds outside. We've heard from listeners that they are seeing some sprinkles and uh, freezing temperatures are on their way. So we need to talk about sprinklers, what people need to be doing with their sprinklers. And let's start off, talk about, shouldn't we be turning off the outside water at this point? Because the pipes could freeze, right? They could. And so the first step into getting your sprinklers ready for spring or for the fall is if you're on secondary um, irrigation is turning it off from the street. So what will happen is that most cities have already turned that irrigation off. And when they repressurize it, if it's not turned off from the valve in your part strip, it will create a sudden rush of pressure in your system and it can blow your sprinklers and your valves. And so that's the first thing to do is to turn it off from the street. I've got a turn off at my street and I've got a secondary turn off before it gets to my valves and other things in my yard. And so I've got two of them just mm-hmm. in case. At any rate, that would be the first thing to do. But we've we've got an interview with Justin Weicker, who has a lot of experience in sprinklers. He is the lead gardener at the Provo City City Center Center Temple. And he took a few minutes yesterday to walk people through shutting down their sprinkling systems. What happens if water's left in the pipes of a PVC sprinkling system over the winter? As water freezes, it expands. And so with it being in an enclosed space like a pipe, it tries to push outward from the center. And so what ends up happening is it will split that pipe And you can always tell a freeze break because normally the split is almost a perfectly straight line. And it will go 
right through fittings and it will cover several feet of pipe and in replacing that it can be very time consuming uh, very frustrating for sure because you replace 10 feet of split pipe and and bury it turn the water back on and find out that the next section in line is now split open and leaking it looks like it can be hundreds of dollars to have fixed easily should someone hire an outside contractor or do it themselves? If your sprinkling system is already installed and you don't really know anything about it, I would strongly recommend hiring a professional. Cost you 100, 150 bucks. They come, they take care of it in an hour and they're gone. If you are in the process of installing a sprinkler system, Typically, you would know a little bit more about, you know, the grade of your of your property as far as slope goes and know where all the low points are. You could actually place drains at the end of each line, and all you would have to do most of the time is just open up those drains at, in the fall and just let all the water drain out with almost no follow-up effort with an air compressor after that. What size air compressor should they really have? A 30-gallon air compressor for a regular residential quarter-acre lot is what I recommend. And that's mostly because if you get any smaller than that, then it cycles on and off a lot, and there's a lot of wear and tear on the air compressor itself. The next problem is, is how do you actually get your air compressor connected to your sprinkling system? The standard regular store-bought air compressors, the hoses that you hook up to that have a standard pipe thread. If you've got an outdoor connection to your sprinkler main line, then the pipe thread fitting or whatever fitting adapter you would need to take care of that is what, what you would do. Some, some houses have hose bibs on the inside uh, for a system drain, you just need to adapt it to the hose thread and away you go. And so it just has to be hooked up to the main line so that you can open up the valves one at a time for all that water to be blown out. How do you know when the sprinklers on a valve or a valve has had sufficient amount of time with air blowing through it to know it's done? When it comes out looking like steam coming out of a teapot, you should hear a very loud hiss of air coming out. If it still sounds like sprinklers are running, then, then somewhere you've got a lot of water still in the pipe. How long does it usually take per valve to get that water flushed out? Three-quarter inch. If you've got a good continuous airflow, it should just take two or three minutes. What else should people be doing on their sprinkling systems this fall? First of all, make sure that your sprinkler system is running properly. Any broken heads or broken nozzles, plugged nozzles, anything like that will affect how well that water line is able to drain. They just need to make sure that everything is in good physical shape. And then I would recommend before they blow out their system, just turning off the water at the main valve and just let their sprinkler clock run through a couple of cycles. Uh, without the water. That will let a lot of pressure out of the lines. It will let some air in and get you, you know, maybe a few minutes ahead. The other thing would be to make sure that their backflow preventers are properly drained and blown out.
So, Tan, this is super helpful information because early in our marriage, we didn't do all of these things. And, of course, did have a pipe break right at the house. And that is a real problem that flooded a part of our kitchen and part of our basement. And it's like, take those precautions today. It really is because the, you know, turning that water off from the street will help prevent that blowing the system out, especially if it's PVC. The last thing Justin said, you know, those backflow preventers, those are expensive, a couple hundred dollars at least for mm-hmm. one. And if you don't blow it out and it gets frozen and bursts or leaks, you know, that's in and of itself just for the part, $200, $250 sometimes, plus labor to reinstall it, whether it's yours or a contractor. Mm-hmm. So this will take, you know, maybe an hour or so to do, hour and a half in your yard. But it is so worth the money because I have experienced, like you have, flooded basement, having to dig up 30 or 40 feet of pipe that split. And so this is something that I have dealt with that just that preventative maintenance in the fall is just so important. It is. So, Corey, we know you've been waiting on the line for a bit. We'll take your call following this break. Number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us at 57500. Tom, our next listener lives in Camas, and they want to know, is it better to reseed their pasture grass in the late fall or the spring? Yeah, that's something that they could contact their local extension agent, but... It's If they're going to drill it in, there's a, a piece of machinery called a seed drill that will put the seed at a certain depth in the soil. And I think that at this point, especially in Camas, it would just sit until spring. And with the rain and snow coming, I don't know that they're going to be able to get out there and do much. And so at this point... I would wait until spring to do anything, but because my, my background is more yard, garden, fruit tree stuff, mm-hmm. you know, a call into their extension agent. I'm trying to remember what county Camas is in, but a, a call to their local extension ag agent would be able to 
clarify a little more, but my gut feeling is his way for spring at this point. Okay, so the next question uh, from a listener, is it too late to overseed or lay sod now that the weather has turned? And can you explain how to know when it is too late and how much distance do you need between ortho bindweed and fertilizing the lawn? So they have a couple of questions in there. Well, reseeding, they can do it, but the seed won't germinate until spring. So they can put it down. And that's fine. Just don't expect anything until April and May of next year. The other question was what about the ortho and the bindweed? Uh, how much distance do they need between the time uh, they? I think that they put ortho or put whatever on their bindweed An and ortho fertilize product. their lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to look at the ortho label. I don't know. The label will tell them though. There's usually what's called a preceding interval, and it just depends. If it had quinclorac in it, it could be a couple of months. If it was 2,4-D and glyphosate or, you know, it just really depends and they're going to need to read their label. Yeah, each of the, each of the products are different. Uh, next person wants to know, is it necessary to remove all extra dropped sugar-sweet tomatoes from a garden box after harvesting and removing the plants? Uh, this is Chris who's asking the question. Not necessarily. If they're not diseased, you can leave them. But what you may run into is you'll be getting dozens of dozen, dozens and dozens of tomato seedlings the next year that they'll have to pull out. And so would I pick them out? Probably if they stay in there, it's just going to be that you're going to have to go in and probably do a little bit of gleaning of those plants to get them out or pulling because, you know, you don't want it chuck full. And a lot of times those cherry tomatoes will have viable seed. They probably won't come back the same as what they were, but they will make new baby tomato plants the next year. All right. Let's go to Corey on the phone line. And Corey, I need to apologize. I thought you were going to be calling us back and you've been waiting. So what is your question this morning? I have a about a 20-foot short pine blue spruce, I believe it is, and lived here for well, over eight years and never really noticed it in the fall dying per se it seemed like it turned brown and purplish and the needles are now falling off and researched and uh, one of the common diseases and such it doesn't show the black spots on the needles or anything and it's was clearly getting water and I don't see that you know it just seems like all the needles are, are falling off i just don't remember it dying like that in in the fall but maybe i just don't remember so i'm everything that I've researched is you know disease but it just doesn't show that so so how often is it being watered uh yeah probably every other day was every other day i've just turned the water off for uh kind of trickle for an hour so probably, you know, eight gallons maybe every other day. So just eight gallons every other day, and is it right at the base of the plant? Yeah, of the tree. It may be drought-stressed because if that's a 20-year-old tree, you know, its roots are going to be a lot farther out than where you just have those drippers. And so that could be And it's right problem. next to a grass region. So, I mean... I would expect, uh, based on if it is stretching out the roots, right? I mean, there should be ample water down It depends on the distance from the grass because roots also won't grow through dry soil very well. Five feet. Five feet. So it 
probably maybe you know i both, both without, sides too neighbors yeah. and ours right so i the only thing that i you know needle cast disease is something you should look into but what would happen is it would get new needles in the spring and then those needles would turn to brown by fall and so mm. that's something to look at but when a spruce is going down like that it's usually irrigation issues if you can mm. eliminate disease you right. know there could be things like the tree has rope around it from when it was planted several years ago that was never removed if it was bald and burlapped you know there's a lot of things that you need to check like that also i would dig down along the trunk 6 inches down until you find the root flare being planted mm-hmm. too deep would do it, but I would make sure that there isn't twine girdling the tree. Okay, and if it is drought stress, do you know can those reco- trees recover? If it's all sense? the way brown, no, um, they won't. If you still had you know three quarters of the canopy intact, yes. Mm. Okay, so yeah, so if it. I would assume then in the spring that it wouldn't recover at that point, and then I would know. To yeah, you can it. wait and see, but if it's completely brown, it's most likely dead. Mm. Okay, All not right, good Corey. news, but I Sorry appreciate about it. that. Thanks for your yeah. call this morning. And the number to, for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255, or you can text us at 57500. This Hour of the Greenhouse is sponsored by Cigna, and with us on the line this morning is Rob Matura. And Rob, we've been talking about the annual election period for Medicare, and I want to know what information should shoppers look for while, you know, concerning their Medicare Advantage plan options for 2023? What should they be looking at? Absolutely. I really, we always give three a piece of advice when individuals are shopping for their Medicare Advantage plan. First is review your changes. In late September, Medicare Advantage uh, individuals should have received their document, which is known as the Annual Notice of Change. This document contains information about changes to your Medicare Advantage plan, including costs, benefits available to doctors, facilities. Really look at that document and review what changes have occurred for the following year. Second is weigh the extras. When comparing plans, pay attention to the extra benefits not available in original Medicare, like dental or vision or prescription drug coverage, things that really mean something to individuals and put value into their health care. The third item is consider other factors. Beyond cost, consider the doctors and the facilities that are included in your health plan. Check your prices on your regular medications, whether it's easy to see a specialist. Also, pay attention to co-pays, how much you're required to pay out of pocket for doctor's visits, and if there's any deductibles. So how does someone know about your network and who the doctors and hospitals are in the Cigna Medicare Advantage plan in Utah? That's a great question. They can go to SignaMedicare.com, and we list our providers and our doctors there. They can talk to their local broker, who is very knowledgeable in our provider network as well. They can call us directly at Cigna at 801-686-8648, or I can tell them right here on the phone. So we have a lot of different providers and hospitals within Utah, including Mountain Star Healthcare, Steward Healthcare, and the University of Utah Health. All right, Rob, we'll be talking with you again in just a few minutes. And again, for our listeners, that number to call, 801-686-8648, or you can visit SignaMedicare.com. 
It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.